1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Volato. Today's episode, we're going to break down each individual in-house New York Giants free agent. Spoiler alert: not nearly as many key free agents. As in past years, um, really just a sign of a team that has, and a, a raw star, I should say, that has really been turned over. Um, we're going to talk about what to do with them, stay or go. We're going to play a little game of that. We're also going to dive into some of the latest rumors on the Giants front um, and then finally get to all of this week's listener questions. I have to say, in my opinion, since I started doing the show, this is, in my opinion, my favorite week of listeners' questions. I don't know why it doesn't make sense the middle of February literally the dead time for football it's the time after the past season a season where the Giants had you know <laughs> however many wins they had it's, it's I'm blanking on it it's, I put it so far in my past I think was it four wins Nick was it four wins four and 12 I'm pretty sure so we're putting that behind us and looking forward to the 2020 season but it is the deadest time because again unlike June and July where there's actually a roster to look forward to After a C's offseason's worth of free agent and and draft moves, instead it's kind of project ahead. So in my opinion, I was surprised. But you know what, Nick? I'm excited because it was surprisingly one of the best set of questions we've got. So I'm excited to dive into those. Let's start with the rumor front, Nick. Um, It's been pretty quiet. Obviously, it is February, but two topics have arisen. So let's play a little game of buy or sell on both of those. Nick, jump right into it, unless you have a story to tell about the past week since we recorded and if you don't, then dive right into it with this one. One report has surfaced already. It's February. I've never seen a free agent report surface this early, by the way, as a heads up to those listening. But a report has surfaced the Giants will target Chiefs free agent wide receiver Demarcus Robinson in free agency. Just days after a similar report did surface that the Eagles are also targeting him. So are you buying this or are you selling this, next?
2: And I do not have a story. I swear, though, ladies and gentlemen, I have a pretty exciting lifestyle, but no stories to tell for the podcast. And I am selling the Giants pursuing Demarcus Robinson. Look, he's a speedster. He's 25 years old. He's fresh off of a Super Bowl title. But the Giants signed Golden Tate last offseason, and this wide receiver class is chock full of talent. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be starters found in the fourth Fifth round, which is usually uncommon. Yes, I know Darius Slayton was found in that range of the draft last season, but that's usually uncommon. But there will be so much talent in the wide receiver class. This wide receiver class coming to 2020, and I do not believe the Giants are going to go and try to spend big on Demarcus Robinson, who is going to try to cash in, despite the fact that he only had 32 catches this year, four touchdowns. He is this speedster. I do not believe the Giants will be pursuing him. Now the Eagles, that's a different story. We know the Eagles. Really need help at the wide receiver position. And it all comes down to Deshaun Jackson, who barely played this season. Is he going to be healthy? Is those core muscle injuries going to be healed? Because what Carson Wentz and that offense really missed was that field stretching player, that field stretching wide receiver that could really open up the middle of the field for guys like Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard when they can run 12 personnel, big tight end packages, and kind of disguise when they're going to run the ball, when they're going to hit a defense with play action. Something Eagles and Doug Peterson have done at a really really well in the past and they need that field stretcher to really occupy those safeties. So I believe they're going to be targeting somebody like Robinson if everything falls through with the Sean Jackson, but I don't believe the giants are going to go in that direction for the money that Robinson is going to be looking for.
1: Yeah. Robinson's an interesting one for me, Nick. I'll start by selling it for the mere fact that it came out just hours or days, whatever it was after the Eagles uh, were reportedly interested to me. That's clearly jumps out to me. Just having experience in this industry for enough time that that was Okay, it was leaked by Robinson's agent after, of course, or by the Eagles. If, say, the Eagles didn't want it out that they are targeting Robinson, well, then now uh, his agent has a clear, you know, path to leak interest in the Giants and draw up some more interest. wow, the Giants are interested in Robinson, the Eagles are interested in Robinson, maybe we should get interested in Robinson. Why is that? Now, as far as buying or selling, if it would be a good move, I'm against it for the fact that, you know, his deal would have to be somewhere in the range of, and I think it would be actually way more than what. Uh, Adam Humphrey signed, I think it would be more than what Paul Richards signed a couple years ago in free agency with the Redskins. That was a bust. I think it will be in the four-year, $40 million range. And at that price tag, I'm not interested. Like you said, investment's already made in Golden Tate. They just found Darius Slayton. They have long-term money invested in Sterling Shepard as well. Um, And- more so than that, there is question marks for Robinson. For Robinson, he wins in interesting ways. He is a vertical stretcher, um, but he did run a four-five-nine at his pro day, which is really not good. I do think he does do an excellent job uh, in the vertical passing game because I did take a look at him after this report, and it's weird because it's like it's not like the testing speed. I guess he doesn't have, but he is kind of like that DeAndre Hopkins in the sense that listen. Those look can, those of you can look back. DeAndre Hopkins ran a four five eight at the combine. He was either four five eight or four five nine, but he wins vertically because he because he's able to, you know, win in different ways. And Robinson may be one of those. He's good after the catch. He's six foot one, two hundred pounds, really good frame for it. Former fourth round pick by the Chiefs. Um so there, he's an interesting prospect for sure. I just don't think he's an interesting prospect for the Giants this offseason. So Nick, I'm with you. I'm selling. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah but I
2: wanna know what You want to know what I feel like is going to be interesting this offseason when these speed wide receivers will be signing their contracts? Because there's a lot of these wide receivers who are one of those field stretching type of wide receivers that are kind of comparable. Guys like Rashad Perriman, Robbie Anderson, Philip Dorsett, even they're all going to be free agents this season. So the first one to kind of sign that contract, I'm wondering if all those other ones will try to kind of top it. They're all in the similar age bracket. I think that could be a really interesting development going to free agency.
1: Without a doubt, and we'll have to see where that goes because from my experience, Nick, during this covering this long enough, the wide receiver position is one of the most overpaid positions in free agency year after year after year. I named a couple there, but if you look back, there are so many contracts like that Paul Richardson contract uh, the Redskins handed out a couple years ago. But let's move on, Nick. Let's talk about the only other real news or rumors or whatever you want to call it on the Giants front, and that is that some Giants fans, they're outraged that Brett Bielma's name keeps coming up and college head coaching searches nick are you buying fan outrage or are you selling
2: um i wouldn't say that i am uh, necessarily selling i mean i'm sure there are fans that are a little uh upset at the fact that bell uh bielma is pursuing this but i feel like with this specific case colorado job just magically opens up because their coach goes to michigan state i mean i'm fully for the the coach to go and pursue another opportunity at college i mean Bielma was the coach at Wisconsin for a long time. I'm sure you're obviously well aware of that. He was at Arkansas right after that. So he's a coach that has a lot of college roots. I'm personally fine with him going out. At least if he tells the Giants, hey, this is what's going on, and gives them kind of the the news on what he wants to pursue, and he should explore his options. Uh, I don't know if the whole fan base is really mad about that, so I don't know if I should either buy or sell that. I'm sure it's a mixed bag. What about you?
1: No, it's not the whole fan base. It's a very small fraction of the fan base that is indeed, you know, ticked off about this. And for me, it's like, you know, it's like, let's say you were offered a better job or you're not going to pursue it potentially. It's crazy. It's nuts that people think he owes the Giants anything. He doesn't know the Giants crap. He's a positional coach. And having said that, I hope he strikes out with these college jobs because I didn't love Bielma as a personality as a Wisconsin head coach. And I didn't, wasn't sad to see him go. Um, but having... Somebody with that much head coaching experience as an assistant coach to me is super valuable. I believe that's why uh, Joe Judge targeted so many coaches like that. I think just these guys think a little differently. They think a tick faster. They've seen a few more things. They've reacted to a few more things, and they're able to kind of get to that point. I think really the best value you can find in the coaching ranks is when you get guys who were maybe just – had high expectations as head coaches and they failed. like, for example, strong just, uh, you know, signed with Saban or he got hired by Saban. He's joining the Charlie Strong's joining the Alabama staff. I think it's a slam dunk higher. I think it's going to be an A plus for them. Um, he rose to that spot, that head coach ranking for a reason because he's a good teacher of men and teacher of the football game. So I think having more guys like Bielma is a good thing, but I, I, I'm selling that he shouldn't actually pursue, um, better opportunities or you know more fruitful opportunities for him and his family um and on that note before we dive into the giants free agents and what we want to do we'll play a little game of stay and go let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors
2: bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports march madness the masters and major league opening day are all right around the corner bet online has you covered for all your latest news scores And odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. F R Double E free. The best part, when you sign up, you receive 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder. Fury rematch goes down this saturday night ladies and gentlemen we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money and you have that opportunity ladies and gentlemen head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code bluewire to revive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit we signed up It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all, one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: All right, let's dive into the New York Giants' in-house free agents. We're almost at the NFL Combine. That's kind of about the time where I expect some rumors. Some reports to start circulating, maybe a little bit after. But before we get there, let's kick things off with the Giants' most recent All-Pro player, Nick. Yes, we're talking about a man <laughs> who was once described by a future Hall of Famer as having a generational leg. And that was Jeff Eagles who made that comment. And that's Aldrich Roses from 2018 first-team All-Pro to 2019 mega bust. Nick, now he's a restricted free agent. What should the Giants do?
2: I have not been super high on Rosas on this podcast, and I want to back that up. But at the same time, with Joe Judge and his extensive special teams background and the fact that Rosas does have a monster leg and those things just do not fall out of the sky, I feel like the Giants should take that risk, bring in Rosas. He's still young. He's big. He's strong. Has the leg. Have him work with Coach Judge, who obviously has a special teams background. I think that's a wise move. So I'm all for bringing him back.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because just to give everyone a little insight on what makes a restricted free agent, a restricted free agent is a free agent that's pretty much under team control. And what they have to do is assign a round tender so they can assign either a first round tender, a second round tender, an original round tender or right a first refusal, which never happens. But, you know. You say might say, why not just give every player a first round tender? Because the first round tenders are valued. Last season it was or I have 2018 numbers. In 2018, it was 4.2 mil for a first round tender, 2.92 mil for a second round tender. And original round tenders, you know, can be as in the low level ones could be 1.8, 1.9 million. So it's a difference in cap space of, you know, three, four million dollars, depending on what kind of tender you want to give these players. And it's interesting because I think with Roses, he's a stay for me for sure. With that kind of leg, I obviously want to give him another year. I'm obviously a big believer uh, in, uh, in the uh, you know in the idea that, for the most part, kicking is mental. But there is leg talent. That's a real thing, and Rosas certainly has it. He has better leg talent than probably anyone the Giants are going to get this offseason or in, in a lot of years, to be honest. I mean, Giants had a kid in here uh, a ways ago, Brandon McManus, a really good leg talent, and they traded him for a seventh rounder to Denver. Uh, and he's still the kicker of the Broncos to this day for years and years and years. So I don't think they should give up on the best leg talent they've had since McManus, Nick. Um, but I'd probably just give him an original round tender if that's in play. Now, I don't know exactly. He was an undrafted free agent. And then he was with the Titans and the Giants. Grabbed So I don't know exactly what the rules are there. But I think considering how, you know, weak, relatively speaking his 2019 season was they don't need to give a first or second round tender on roses because basically the way the tenders work is that teams can match teams can then sign these restricted free agents to something called an offer sheet. And then the giants have the ability to match said offer sheet. Um, but you know, it really depends, um, on the tender that's placed on that player. And if there's another team interested in signing them to a long-term offer sheet, so time will tell there, but for me, I'd probably go original round tender there, Nick. Um, but sticking with the restricted free agents, Nick, I'm going to ask you another one. I'm going to ask you John Halapeo, the center from last season. There you yeah. go.
2: Yeah, when it comes to Halapeo, I mean, he stepped in, and I would say he's a replacement level player. But he has a serious injury right now. I don't feel like a lot of teams are going to be clamoring to sign him whatsoever to any kind of big offer sheet or anything like that. And I feel like the Giants could still bring him in. He's a player that... I'm not 100% sure his fit in Jason Garrett's more power-based scheme since he didn't show all that much power at all from the center, from that pivot position. But I'm not fully opposed to bringing him back either, to be honest. And I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth by any stretch of the imagination, but he is somebody that you can play with. He's not going to lose you games, but he's somebody that you're always going to look to upgrade over. And if that's your second string guy, if he's fully healthy, I'm for that.
1: Yeah, for me, P.O., it's uh... – a. Strictly a you know low-tender, low-level, original-round tender for him because well, there's a lot of red flags that need to be considered. One, fit in Garrett's offense. You made that great point. Two, play strength. I've always been you know struggling with play strength with Palapeo. Three, he's coming off a torn Achilles late in the season, so we don't even know if he's going to be healthy for training camp. So anything they can sign him to where they can cut him, say if they draft a the guy in the second or third, or sign someone in free agency— Um, in any of those scenarios, that's something I'm on board with. But, you know, I'd be very wary of those red flags that we brought up. And it's interesting because he was a guy who Charles Bentley before last season really loved his tape and said he should be a top 10 center, would have been a top 10 center, Bentley said, if he had uh, not been injured in 2018. Obviously, you know, wasn't that kind of player last season and really it's tough to say he was that kind of player in 2018 because the sample size was so small he got that season ender in week two of the 2018 season against the dallas cowboys so you know with all of that said to me it seems like a lot of smoke so far with Alpeo. um so again original round tender where they can cut him in camp sure i'm on board with that but nothing more how about eli penny nick
2: yeah elijah penny uh is interesting uh coming from the cardinals He wasn't necessarily in that power scheme either, but he's going to come at such a cheap price that if Jason Garrett is endeared by his ability to block, which from what I saw was solid, then I'm all for bringing him back as well because he's going to be really cheap. But again, it's going to come down to how new offensive coordinator Jason Garrett views him in his scheme. I'm fine with it because what is it going to be? It's going to be a sub $1 million deal, something really, really low cost for Penny because, again, not a lot of people are going to be clamoring to sign him. So if Garrett views him in that light, I'm fine with that as well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'd say for me it's more 50-50. I think they can stand to upgrade a little bit at that position or kind of go away from it altogether. Um, but, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Penny at times, but I think there is some nuances lost in the fa- in the sense that he really is pretty new to the position uh, was a former running back all until he made it to the NFL, and then even then, until the Cardinals kind of tried to convert him. And when even when they tried to convert him, it was kind of a year on the practice squad. I, I don't know; It just still has so few actual game reps at the fullback position, live game reps. To me, I think there could be an upgrade there. I'm actually going to probably lean toward go for me, Nick, because you know if I'm pushed one way or the other, we're playing stay or go. I'm gonna, actually going to go go there for Eli Penny. Let's move on now though to the unrestricted free agents. I'm going to start with an interesting one, at least interesting. Thing to me. And that's Cody Latimer. Stay or go, Nick. Cody Latimer,
2: he had 300 yards receiving this year, started in 10 games, 42 targets from Daniel Jones and Eli Manning with 24 catches. So that's a 57% catch rate. Now I like what Cody Latimer offers. I mean, he seemed like he had high competitive toughness blocking. He made a couple really ridiculous catches. I remember the one, I can't remember exactly who it was against, but it was along the sidelines, an absolute dime by Daniel Jones. And it was a one handed catch. He makes those from time to time, but he's super Inconsistent, So I'm fine with him walking because like we kind of elaborated on earlier, there's going to be a lot of receivers in this draft and there's always a lot of talent at that specific position. And I don't feel like Latimer is a deal or somebody who's going to put you over the top, despite the fact that he does have solid speed and he has solid size. He's six foot two, 215 pounds, but I'm fine with him walking.
1: Interesting. I'm actually going to go with a stay here, Nick. For me, it's more based on when I see Cody Latimer play and when he gets actual burn, he does seem to make plays and he makes plays in a variety of ways. He's not a huge playmaker. He's not watching Darius Slayton on tape. You're not watching a player like Big Play Slay or, you know, whatever his nickname's going to be. Young Slay. Young, young Slay. <laughs> young um, play. young play Slay. It's not watching him. I mean, that guy wins in such a wild variety of ways, and he does it so consistently. Like you said, there is some inconsistency in Ladner's game, but when I'm staring down the barrel of a, wa- of, of a roster in a wide receiver position, position um, and looking at a wide receiver depth chart in week 12 of a season where hopefully the Giants may be, you know, and I'm not saying this is coming next season, guys, but I do think the turnarounds could happen fast when, you're on a ro- when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. But my point is the Giants are in a competitive season at any point coming up in the next couple of years. Week 12, that's when the attrition starts. That's when you start to see Cody Core types getting burned at the wide receiver position just due to injuries, just due to uh, fatigue, just due to the fact that they're on this roster for special teams. And at that point, I'd rather have Cody Latimer. And I think Cody Latimer will give you a better chance to win the game. I think he is a much better receiver than a Cody Core or a Russell Shepard. So I don't know that they have the depth of the position right now to give up players who actually make plays at the position of wide receiver when they're in the game and when they get burned. And to me, Cody Latimer is one of those players. It's going to seem odd. Not many people are going to, you know, stand for Cody Latimer this offseason when you look at the stats, when you look at any of those numbers. It doesn't add up, but it's just an eye testing for me from what I've seen watching this team so much. I don't see players who make – I don't see receivers on the back end of the Giants roster over the last decade or so, let's say – who have made the same amount of plays that Latimer has when given the opportunity. So for me, it's a go, uh, re-sign at a very cheap price. But let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here, Nick. And let's talk about a guy who started 16 games last season for the Giants. Or I believe he started 16. No, I think he missed one 14. game.
2: Yeah, it was 14 games. It's two games.
1: My numbers yeah. are off. It's the offseason, guys. It's February. We're talking about Mike Remmers, an old Pat Shermer favorite. Right tackle Mike Rem- Remmers. Stay or go, Nick.
2: So I just wrote about uh, Mike Remmers for Big Blue View, actually. And if I were to kind of wrap your head around Mike Remmers before I wrote about him, he allowed 40 pressures, which was 10th among tackles. And second on the Giants because Solder allowed 50, which was first in the NFL. Obviously, that's not a great look. But he was playing on a one-year, $2.5 million prove-it deal. And just watching the All-22 as you did, Remmers really didn't jump off the page as somebody who was struggling down in, down out, and a an complete liability. He didn't seem like he was in that sort of that's that sort of player. Really, he was 59th best according to Pro Football focused when it comes to pass blocking, and 80th best when run blocking. Again, adequate numbers, not something that you're going to write home about. But he, I feel like he's a player that. I would be fine bringing him back and having him compete for the right tackle position. You could either go and pursue other right tackles that are going to be avail- available, someone like Cornelius Lucas from the Bears or Sean Coleman from the 49ers. I know he had a lot of inju- injuries these past season for the Niners, but, or you can go out and draft somebody. But I feel like bringing him back would still be relatively cheap, probably not one year, 2.5 million, but still be relatively cheap. And he can do that job at an adequate to solid level. Somebody you're going to look to He's definitely not somebody you want to start long-term, somebody you're going to look to improve on, but having him compete for that job, I don't feel like that's ridiculous whatsoever.
1: I hear you, Nick. I mean, for me, I think Remmers is a stay. Now, let me make the case for why he's a stay, and then I'll throw the one wrench in it to why he may be a go. He's a stay for me because NFL offensive tackles, as I've said before on this podcast, as I'll say again on this podcast are extremely difficult to find. Finding quality, finding someone who's startable, finding someone who's even a swing offensive tackle. And a swing offensive tackle means that third offensive tackle, someone who can come in in the middle of the game with no pre- preparation that week and start on either side of the ball. Even finding those is difficult in the NFL. And for me, Mike Remmers is like the perfect swing tackle for the Giants next next season or really any season in the next like 2 or 3 before he really, you know, gets old into the older age, but He's a perfect guy. You can re-sign him pretty cheap as long as Pat Shermer doesn't lure him to do a similar thing in Denver. You can tell him he's going to compete for a job. And you can say, look, you're going to have a shot to win this job because we're drafting a rookie. Rookies don't start immediately unless, of course, they use the fourth overall pick on one. Then he's probably going to be expected to start. But, you know, the time of free agency, Remmers isn't going to know that. So to me, that's all good and dandy. Even if the Giants draft one tackle, if they draft two tackles, you know, it's unlikely they'll draft two tackles early on because they just don't have the roster space for it, especially during the season. So really, you're looking at an offseason where they probably will look to add one offensive tackle to compete. So that means someone should and will come back in addition to Soldier. But here's the wrench, Nick. Are you ready for it? This is the wrench. If the Giants feel like Nick Gates, the former undrafted free agent out of Nebraska, who I loved in the Big Ten, and not only to say love, but thought was an absolute steal to be undrafted, out of the Big Ten, he was a legitimate good lineman at Nebraska. If he, if they feel he can take the next step, and he has flashed on at times when he's had the opportunity to play right guard this season to play right tackle, then in my opinion, you let Remmers go. You draft because you're going to add the tackle, and it's either going to come in free agency or it's going to come in the draft. We all know a tackle is coming to this roster, um, and so if that's the case, then you let Remmers go because you don't want to be put in a position where. After training camp, you got Solder, who's in for sure. you got the high-drafted offensive tackle or the high-free agent offensive tackle, and you got Gates and you got Remmers, but you can only really keep uh, three of those because you need a swing tackle, two starters, and then you have to get rid of Gates just because you didn't pay him and you paid Remmers that money. You don't want to put yourself in that position. So really, for me, it comes down to where they see Gates. For me, it's going to be a stay because I feel more comfortable with Remmers than Gates, and the hope is that maybe the Giants can then keep Gates on as a guard, as a swing guard, a backup guard as well. So that's kind of where I stand there, Nick. Let's dive into one that's kind of less on the radar, but somebody who I still haven't given up hope on, Nick. And I don't want to give away my thoughts on this one, but that's Corey Coleman, former first round pick at a Baylor.
2: I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, Corey Coleman, obviously, he's 25 years old. He was a first round pick, has that pedigree, and he just has not been healthy and he hasn't been in a stable environment. He's coming from the Browns. And they obviously really did not have anything or have any idea what they were doing. Comes over to the Giants, and he just is either injured or he's not really finding his way. This is going to be a really, really cheap person to re-sign coming off of the injury. So I'm fine, given the talent that he showed at Baylor, given his draft pedigree, bringing him in and letting him compete. Hopefully he is healthy. He's still a really young man. He showed a lot of explosiveness in the past hopefully he still possesses that so yes i'm fine bringing him back and having him compete and if it doesn't work out you can cut him before the 53 men roster lockup.
1: yep no doubt i mean the giants didn't have much tr- trouble resigning him last offseason obviously they had his rights so it was a little different but now he's unrestricted i think at this stage of his career he's he's here he's living in this area and it's the easiest route for him to compete on a death chart where you know it, it's a little top heavy to some extent but there is there are places to move at the bottom of the step chart, especially in the four or five, six range. Um, so I would, he's another stay for me. All right, let's flip it to the defense. And we're going to start with pro football focus favorite. One of the highest graded giants from the 2019 season on the defensive side of the ball, according to their grades. And that is inside linebacker, David Mayo. Is he a stay or a go for you?
2: I have been a bigger fan of David Mayo than you have. And I'm fine with having him stay mainly because the Giants just have a dearth of talent at that position. And Alec Ogletree will be cut. I feel like Mayo has good mental processing. He can key and diagnose. And he shows a pretty quick first step when it comes to just uh, reading the play and stepping towards his gap. While I don't love him in coverage i feel like he can be a liability he doesn't always hit his landmarks in zone coverage and things like that he was kind of exploited in that vikings game i feel like he can step in and start and he's not going to kill your defense he maintains his run fits well he can be explosive in those short areas at the linebacker position so i'm fine with bringing david mayo i don't know if you agree with me though
1: it's interesting because they're going to move on from Ogletree, as you mentioned. They're going to have even fewer options unless they really, you know, rebuild this linebacker corpse and free agency in the draft. They'll have to make an asserted effort there because, listen, as much as I love Ryan Connolly and you love Ryan Connolly, you cannot count on, uh, you know, 98 to 100% of the defensive snaps in 2020 from a guy who blew out his ACL and has only really appeared in a few games for the franchise. And you can't count on that, and if you're going to move on from Ogletree, well, then you're starting to look down the barrel of this linebacker corpse, and there's not that many names. So for that reason, I'm probably fine resigning Mayo, and I do agree with your assessment. He he does have a quick first step in the run game, and he is pretty good at mentally processing in the run game. Uh, but just there were just so many times I watched that All-22, and he just got so lost in coverage on the same plays, and it just— it's so tough for me. I'm fine with him in a different role, I would say, for the Giants, Nick, in a role where he's just not on the field in nickel. Like, they have another linebacker. Like, how about Isaiah Simmons? Why do you think I want Isaiah Simmons so much? Because I want to get guys like Mayo off the field in nickel, and I want to get guys like Simmons on the field in nickel. Just a, a, a massive difference in, in athleticism and in coverage, in everything, and pure speed on the field. So... You know, it's it's kind of a, a, a game like that for me, Nick, where I can see the value in resigning him, but just putting him into a different role.
2: Simmons, man, is so interesting. I feel like he would fit so – and he would fit so well on any defense. Let me preface it with that. But, Pat, but Patrick Graham – I mean i watched a lot of Dolphins tape since right. – since patrick ram was hired by the giants and he ran a lot of one down lineman two down lineman four five edge slash linebackers just roving confusing the defense on what their gap responsibilities were and then just blitzing and stunting and slanting and coming in from different angles to really put the offense in a really precarious situation and someone like isaiah simmons would be awesome there and then i look at someone like david mayo would he succeed in that type of role we haven't seen him in that because betcher didn't run that type of front too often so i i I feel like right now someone like Mayo could succeed there given what is on this Giants roster. But what will the Giants do in free agency? What will they do in the draft to add players like that? Because the the Dolphins had guys like Vince Beagle filling that role. He was – a, I believe he went to Wisconsin. He was an edge Ed. type player. And I feel like the Giants can – Giants have a better roster than what the Dolphins currently have. And I know the Dolphins' defense sucked last year to be kind. But I feel like with the right personnel, that kind of defense could really – Work and Simmons obviously would really help that. And then the question is, David Mayo. I feel like he can also succeed in that as well with that quick first step explosiveness if he can harness that for the pass game and blitzing and things like that. Things that he wasn't yeah. asked to do as much with Betcher.
1: I love the point you just made there, Nick, talking about Vince Beagle and his impact in Patrick Graham's defense with the Dolphins. Beagle, guy who you know came over from Wisconsin kind of in more of an edge role and then settled in as an off-ball linebacker. And what that brings to mind for me, Nick, is a prospect coming up in the 2020 NFL draft, also out of the University of Wisconsin, Also, who started to play a little off-ball linebacker after playing edge, although I think, you know, he could be used in both roles, which is exactly what Patrick Graham is looking for, by the way. But, you know, played a little off-ball at the senior bowl to try to prove, hey, I can play this position as well. I can be this next type of linebacker who's really fitting this new mold, this new role of impact player at the NFL level. And that's Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, a prospect I'm extremely high on, who I would love the Giants to draft at 36 overall. There's going to be a lot of guys I'd like at 36 overall. Bond's one of them. Bonds that's there.
2: That's, that's, that's the thing. There's such, a, there's such a lack of talent in at the exactly. edge position that he,
1: he couldn't. Yep. yep, I think you're 100% right. And, you know, it's a similar story to T.J. Watt's draft, uh, you know, pre-draft process a couple years ago. T.J. Watt was a guy who the Steelers got at the back end of round one, 30th overall, and some people thought that was a way draft. T.J. Watt, edge rusher out of Wisconsin. T.J. Watt has far exceeded the 30th overall pick. He's been back-to-back MVPs of that Steelers defense, arguably – you know a top five edge rusher in the NFL for me a definite top five edge rusher in the NFL though I may be a little biased um but we can talk to other people who would agree with that a lot of other people um so you know is he the next Watt I don't think so Watt was even more special than what I saw from Bond but damn he's an NFL player I've watched him over and over him and Cephas those two guys out of Wisconsin in this class I will lock them in as starters in the NFL and both of them aren't going to be top 20 picks but they will be starters but anyway let's move back to the Giants, Nick. Um, and let's move to safety. Michael Thomas, guy who came in here two years ago at the very beginning of the Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman regime. The idea was he would be a core special teamers, the special team captain, the best player in the special team, a leader in that locker room. But at times he's played the safety position for the Giants and he's made some plays over the past two seasons. What do you make of him heading into free agency? Stay or go.
2: I want him to stay, to be honest, mainly because of the special teams. As I said before, Joe Judge, a special teams coordinator, he can mold a lot of players who may not be NFL starters into being special teams aces. But I think having a leader at that position, sort of like Matthew Slater was for the Patriots, is a key cog in doing that. Somebody who can kind of be a player coach. And I think Matthew Thomas or Michael Thomas, I'm sorry, has that has that skill set within him. I mean, he came into the Giants and he picked up that captain role. He ran with it. You saw him on Sunday making multiple plays in the special teams phase and he had the ability to step into the defense and still play well. So I'm all for bringing Michael Thomas back. You know what's going to be inexpensive and he can really help younger players develop on the special teams side of things.
1: Yep, he's a stay for me, Nick. And a lot of it has to do with everything you mentioned. I don't need to rehash any of that, but I do also like the idea of having a familiar face a familiar presence in the locker room having it not completely be another situation where the locker room completely turns over with new players and new faces i think continuity is important to some degree having a guy like thomas and a leader type like him to come back to that locker room guys can look up to him guys can say hey you've been here for a while what have you done to stick around you know what what are the right way what's the right way to do these things what's the right way to do it i think he could be that guy so he's a stay for me about antonio hamilton nickel sized corner who you know actually started getting some reps on the boundary in the, and, and on the inside last season as injuries kind of piled up. The cornerback position, former, uh, you know, I believe practice squad, or they signed from the Browns or maybe a draft pick that they cut. One of the two. Where do you make a Hamilton? Is he a stay or go for you?
2: I remember watching Hamilton. I believe it was week one against Dallas. And he just had a couple lapses in coverage that just really pissed me off. And I think a missed tackle. And I was just like, man, screw it. Who is this guy? Why is he out there? You know. And then as the season went on, you didn't see him as much. And then I want to say it was the end of the year, like week 16, week 17. He stepped in. And against the Eagles, I remember him making a bunch of different plays. And if I if my memory serves me correctly, he was targeted a bunch of times but only gave up a couple different receptions against the Eagles, which was impressive to me. And enough for me to be like, well, this guy's more than likely not going to be pursued. In free agency, he's what twenty six years old or something along those lines. Why don't the Giants look to maybe resign this guy and let him compete? Allow him to compete, especially depending on what they do in the draft. That they don't sign a, or if they don't draft or sign a cornerback, whatever happens, we're not sure. But I feel like he finished the season strong, bringing him back, allowing him to compete. If it doesn't work out, you can get rid of him. I feel like that's a wise move.
1: Yeah, it's interesting for me. I'm probably closer door to, to go there, but I can see the value, you know, if they look at that tape and and they and they will, and if they base their decision on, wow, we'll look at the upside here look at how well he played in this limited opportunity, but in a big time role, he might get another shot and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because he's also a really, really good special teams player. So to me, I'm fine. I, I don't want to say I'm a go on Hamilton. I'm a either way because, you know, him and Thomas are great special teamers and they need those type of players. So uh, I'll go either way on that, but if I'm forced, I'll probably just say go so they can add more potential Uh, talent at that cornerback position with more roster slots since they have so much tied up already to Baker, to Beal, uh, you know, to players they've recently brought in. Um, So from that and, and Valentine as well. So from that standpoint, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. How about, uh, before we move on to the two big guns, how about Dion Buchanan, a guy who, you know, they brought in midseason, a guy who was supposed to be a perfect fit for Betcher's defense, a guy to bring speed to that second-level linebacker, the guy who was the money backer when Betcher was coordinator of the Cardinals, signed with the Bucs, didn't work out there, and then midseason was cut and signed with the Giants. What are your thoughts there?
2: I think Bet. I mean, I think Buchanan. I almost said Betcher. What an idiot! I think Buchanan's role with the Giants isn't just exclusive to Betcher's scheme. I feel like he could mesh as well with Graham, given the fact that he does use a lot of those interchangeable pieces. These hybrid linebackers—people like to put terms on it—but people who can play edge, people who can blitz, people who can drop into coverage. And I feel like Buchanan has that versatility. And again, as I said, for a lot of these other players, he's not going to command a huge price tag. So I think that's another player that can look, that you can look to bring back. I know I've said that about a lot of these guys, but I liked what I saw from Buchanan in his short time with the New York Giants. There were a couple of really big plays where he had really big hits in space where he broke down well and executed good mechanics, good tackling form, and I think that's something that could obviously help this team. So I'm fine with also bringing him back. I feel like I've said that with the majority of these guys, but it's just kind of how I feel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've said it with the majority of these guys as well, Nick, and I'll say it again. I mean, you guys, who listen to me, probably know I was going to be a stay on Buchanan and a cheap, you know, another prove-it type contract, bring him back. You know me. I want speed. I want athleticism at that second level at linebacker. I want these types of players. I don't want the David Mayo types. I think the David Mayo types are the guys who, when they're on the field on third downs or when, on, or when they're playing a play-action heavy team like Stefanski's Vikings last year, they just get fucking chewed up. They just get killed in coverage over and over. And you just can't overcome bad coverage on play action passing or, you know, obvious passing down. So guys like Buchanan who can blitz, who can maybe drop and cover more ground. He's not great, though, in coverage, by the way. I will say this. I wasn't, like, impressed with Buchanan. I mean, it was dealt a tough hand at the sign of the new team and kind of assimilate in the middle of the season. But he wasn't anywhere. It wasn't really that impressive. But for me, it's just taking another dart throw at a position where it's really hard to find these athletic types or, you know, guys who can play the position and throwing it at the board and saying, hopefully we hit here and let's take another chance. Let's not you know, base our decision off a uh, eight-game sample size or uh, for however long he was on the Giants roster in 2019. All right, Nick, let's get to the big ones, though. So let's start with the second biggest. That's Marcus Golden, the Giants sack leader in 2019.
2: Okay. I love Marcus Golden. I feel like I have to preface all this because I have a lot of respect for What he did in the Giants uniform on his one-year prove-it deal, someone who was injured, going into a similar system but a new team and kind of owning the fact that he was a New York Giant. that's what Marcus Golden did. He gets 10 sacks. But the money that he's going to look for at 29 years old is just too much for me. So it would be a go. Now you look at the sacks. I'm not taking anything away from them whatsoever. But two of them were unblocked. One against the Jets, and I think one against the Eagles. Two of them came against Cody Ford in like his second start with the Buffalo Bills. One was against a tripping Kyle Rudolph who couldn't do his pass set whatsoever. And again, I don't want to take away from him, but it was him taking. It was him with his relentless motor because his competitive toughness is elite. He has a relentless motor, and it's him taking advantage of people who are either inexperienced, not good. Or they're just matchups that he should generally win. I don't – and I think Marcus Golden is just a number two pass rusher. I don't think he should be paid like a number one pass rusher, which might be what he's looking for, especially from the Giants, a team that he just had 10 sacks with. That's what his agent's going to be demanding. I think that price tag's too high. I think he's a product somewhat of James Betcher's defense. That's who he has been with basically since he's been in the NFL. So all these factors just make me be like I think if the Giants gave him a contract – say, you know, what, three years, 35, 40 million, whatever he might be looking for, I think by that second year, the Giants, ah, crap, why the hell would we do that? So it's just one of those things that I hate to say because I love the player, but I just don't think it would be a prudent decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, Nick, for me, it's a go. It's a go because of extenuating circumstances that a lot of what you went over that people have to factor in. This is a guy who signed a one-year $2.5 million contract with the Giants and even said, when signing, I'm betting on myself. I had my torn ACL. It changed my whole life. It changed my whole career. He was a guy who was ascending up in 2016 when he had the 12 and a half sacks or whatever it was with the Cardinals. And then, you know, or maybe it was like 16. It was a wildly high number. And again, he had another double digit with the Giants. So it's like he gets his sacks. um, But he's betting on himself and he won. You know, if you look at most people, they'll tell you sack. Sack statistic is the way to evaluate an edge guy. But while he had, you know, an elite number of sacks, Uh, Probably. I don't know. I'm sure he finished somewhere in the top 10, top 15 in the NFL, maybe even just top 10. I don't even know if it was top 15. I don't have it in front of me. I should probably. Point is, (laughs) he is not actually an elite edge rusher, in my opinion, in Nick's opinion. And given what Nick has already talked about, this is an extremely weak edge class outside of Chase Young uh, and Zach Vaughn and a few others, but, you know, outside of a few. Free agent edge class ain't going to be that good. It never is. Some of these guys who you're looking at now, they're going to get re-signed or tagged before they ever hit free agency because that's how the game goes. And you start to look at it, and you just know how free agency works. He's going to get a big offer. And here's a guy who's betting on himself. So what the Giants are going to have to do is exceed that offer or at least match it. And I'm going to go on that. I don't want to exceed or match the offer he's going to get from another team. Let's move on, though, to the biggest one, Nick, the most controversial player on the Giants roster, their most important offseason decision in the minds of many, and that is Leonard Williams. Stay or go, Nick. Leonard Williams. So it came out that
2: Leonard Williams wants to pursue $15 million a year, and people kind of blew up. A lot of people were really against it. But I look at Leonard Williams— I look at the whole cap situation. Caps go up every year because the NFL is just a money-making factory. I am not diametrically opposed whatsoever to bringing in Leonard Williams for a contract that is somewhat around there. I don't know what the market will dictate, him getting $15 per se. But I think that he has a lot of upside. He's still young. He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 at the beginning of the season. When he got to the Giants— in eight games, he had 31 pressures, but it only resulted in one sack, and that's what a lot of people look at, that one sack. But if you watch the games, he was constantly getting interior pressure. It wasn't always just schemed up by James Betcher, but he did execute his stunts in a very timely manner. He was able to win 1v1. He was able to get his hands up in the air and bat balls down to the ground because he has 35-plus-inch arms, 10-plus-inch hands. He's a very long, and he's a very bendy athlete for someone over three hundred pounds. He can bend at the waist. Is he Yannick Ngakwey when it comes to that? Absolutely not, of course. But for someone of that size, he's a very good athlete. And I think if you bring another true pass rusher in, it's going to maximize Leonard Williams. And I think a deal around thirteen to fourteen, even fifteen million, isn't the most, isn't the worst thing in the world. Like people were kind of making it out to be. And I'm not against bringing him back for money that is somewhat around that. The thing I don't like is the fact that he has a lot of leverage and he knows he has a lot of leverage on the Giants because of the dopey trade that Dave Gettleman did make. But if it is a fair trade for someone who's going to be 26 at the beginning of the season with his best football ahead of him, I'm all for that.
1: I'm all for it, Nick, but I think we may have different routes to going about it. I'll start by saying this. This is just another perfect example of don't look at these dumb box scores. Don't chase the sacks. Follow the guys who are breaking this down. That's me and Nick, and that's a lot of other people who are seeing the impact he's making on All-22. He made an incredible and obvious impact in the stat column when it comes to Giants' run defense. The minute that trade happened, the run defense immediately improved drastically. So put that aside. You can look at the stats in the box score, and you can find that. But look beyond sacks. 31 pressures mean something. He had a big impact on their pass rush as well, and that impact could have been even bigger if his edges weren't Marcus Golden. And, you know, you wish it's Lorenzo Carter, but the Giants barely even used Carter as an edge last year, which was another big problem in, in Betcher's defense where he lined Carter up and how often he played Carter. But again, when Williams can get, it's kind of like Buckner with the, with the 49ers who had a breakout season this year, and Eric Armstead, another interior guy. They broke out when Chase Young got there and when D Ford got there and when they put some edges around them. Same thing could happen for Williams. Like he said, he's only 26 years old. To me, it's a definite stay. I think he's been much better than people realize on tape but for me i'm making improve it in patrick graham's defense i'm signing him to a franchise tag or transition tag i believe is actually their best route and i'm saying listen nobody likes the tag we get it but let's be honest you gave us x amount of games we need a larger sample size and it's not like you you know built yourself a lot of real leverage true leverage in those games you can test the market uh or no i'm sorry you can't test the market you can hold out but you know where's that gonna get you you know, where did it get Le'Veon Bell in all reality? I mean, it got him a contract, but it didn't get him in a good place. So I don't see him as a player who's going to hold out if he gets tagged. I see him as a player who's going to accept the tag, play through it. And just so you know, the tag won't be in that $15 million range, which, by the way, Nick, he's already said was a kind of a bogus report. It'll be closer to the $10-11 range because he probably doesn't have enough snaps on the edge to complain to the NFL and to, ra- or I'm not sorry, complain's not the right word, to lobby to the NFL to be considered an edge. And for an interior defensive lineman, that that tag number, Nick, is a lot lower. I believe it's in the $10, 11000000 million range. But that was for last season. A new number will come out for the 2020 season when we turn the new, uh, the new page on the new league year, Nick. So again, for me, you can tag him. You can probably tag him as an IDL. And you know, that's the easiest route. You make him prove it. And then you resign him next offseason, which is what you expected him to be. If he takes that step forward, now it's better in the fans' eyes. It's better in your eyes. And you're not going to save much money from resigning him now to next offseason because he, like like he said, he wants to be paid like a top IDL. So, for me, that's kind of the win-win there, Nick. It's the transition tag.
2: Yeah, and I'm actually really for that because you said it's going to be around 11, 12, something along those lines. And I look at someone like Trey Flowers last year. He was around the same age as Leonard Williams, and he had a much better statistical season. He was able to get $18 million per year on a five-year, $90 million deal. Leonard Williams is not getting that whatsoever, but I feel like he has the upside. They're two di- totally different players, but he has the upside and the kind of impact that can be close to what Flowers provides to Detroit right now if – the necessary talent is surrounded around Leonard Williams, and that is the main thing. <laughs> if, you, if Chase Young ever fell to the Giants, that would be obviously the ideal situation, but that seems pretty unlikely right now. But the main thing is he's young, he's talented, and I feel like he will fit in this defense. So let's see. By assigning that transition tag, I do love that idea as well. So I'm for... Just bringing him back and not giving up on the trade, and we're not just signing him because there was a trade. That's another thing Giants fans are kind of getting held up on. It's like, well, just because the Giants traded the third round pick, now they feel obligated to sign Leonard Williams. No, Leonard Williams is a good player. Don't look at that sack column and let that deter you. He is a good football player.
1: And I, and I think for me, I, I'm not ready to compare him to Trey Flowers, Nick, because I think just Flowers is a much better pass rusher one on one, especially on the edge. But I think he can be closer to a Brenton to to a Buckner type. And Buckner was one of the five, you know, or I'm sorry, probably one of the, probably the second best player on that 49ers defense, honestly, behind Bosa. So, you know, he could become that type of player. But moving forward, Nick, before we dive into some questions from the listeners, I do want to go over some other players who have already been re-signed to the Giants, either their practice squad or re-signed as street three agents in the end of the offseason. We start with John Hillman, who actually got some playing time this year, he has been re-signed to the practice squad. George Aston, fullback to the practice squad. Reggie White Jr., a guy who made some Obvious plays in, in uh, training camp and a little bit of preseason practice squad. Alec Bachman, another receiver. Uh, Tanner Volson, a center. Nate Wozniak, a tackle. Kevin Wilkins at D-end and then Derek Beatty at corner. And then they also resigned some street free agents, a long snapper, Drew Scott, punter Sean Smith, and then tight end C.J. Conrad, who I, I was really high on last offseason. Interested to see if he can maybe develop into something for the Giants uh, this offseason and this August. But on that note, Nick, uh, why don't you get us started with some questions from the listeners?
2: Yeah, we'll jump into the questions. But you want to know something funny? I was actually just today sitting down, and I was thinking, I was like, "Holy shit!" John Hilliman started a game in Foxborough. How ridiculous is that for a rookie quarterback to go into Foxborough with John Hilliman as his starting running back? That's uh, takes some, you know, that takes some balls right there, bro.
1: Yeah, but I'm probably misguided decision making. Eh,
2: you know. I would say so. But, anyways, Jim Henry asks, What's your perfect offseason look like? Free agent signed and first two rounds of the draft.
1: So, Jim, it's February, it's mid February, and I'll tell you this my perfect offseason isn't going to happen because it's changing. I would be lying to you if I said that my opinion of of the draft class now is the same as it's going to be in the last week of March. And I take my, all that time for a reason because I'm learning as I go throughout the process and I'm picking up more and more and more and I'm consuming more and more and more. And by the end, I feel like I have the chance to make my most, uh, you know, my perfect, I guess my version of my perfect, projection for how i think the Giants should do things so for now i'll hold off on any draft stuff like that but you know free agents wise we kind of went over it last podcast you know deep half safety would be a perfect offseason addition for me there's a few of those um and i wouldn't mind investing in a guy like jack conklin as well i think there's multiple there's spots for multiple big contracts in free agency but i could even see the giants passing on that to potentially add you know Corey little a, a class that included Corey littleton and You know, Anthony Harris at safety. That's a good class to me. And then some, you know, ancillary signings, re-signing of Williams, etc. Things like that, Jim. But, you know, we'll we'll get into it. We're going to preview free agency here. But for now, I want us to continue to gather information. Do you see that any differently, Nick?
2: No, nah, I think gathering information and just kind of seeing how things shake out because we're still seeing guys just get re signed by their teams. DJ Humphreys was just re signed. People pitched right. his name to the Giants as well. So that kind of stuff's going to keep kind of happening. When it comes to the draft, I feel like Dan and I are probably going to look to have podcasts on Would You Rather and then go through this certain draft class. I'm not 100% sure if that's. In the exact plans, but it's something that if the if you guys would like to hear, I'm sure we could discuss in the future. I think that could be really cool. And when it comes to free agents, I mean, I think just looking for edge linebackers, deep half safety, as you said, and offensive line depth is definitely something that the Giants will do. And I'm sure once free agency gets here, we'll have a podcast about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, man. Concernery, I believe it's, it's Sean
1: Con we'll Seanery.
2: Hold on, Connor. Because that's a, yeah, Sean Connery. Well, Connor, I am what one would call an idiot. But anyway, he asks Is this scenario possible? I feel like there's a chance with the slay news. One, Cincinnati, so that's the first overall pick, goes Burrow. Two, Tua, Washington trade down. Then Detroit goes Akuda. And then the New York Giants have Chase Young fall in their little, little laps. Is that possible?
1: It's possible. Um, You know, you've seen crazier things when it comes to the the quarterback position. A trade up to two for a quarterback, I think, is possible. Uh, But I don't see that. uh, I don't see either, A, the Lions selecting a Kudo over Young, or B, the Lions not trading that pick to somebody for Young. I just can't see it. I can't really foresee in my head draft night coming and Chase Young being on the board at number four overall.
2: Neither neither can I, to be honest. But – I have seen crazier things happen. Just to talk about Leonard Williams. No one thought Leonard Williams was going to fall to the Jets. I want to say they were at five or whatever. So crazy things do happen. And I believe Young is a much better prospect than Leonard Williams was at coming out of USC. But, I mean, we just don't know how these teams really view Tua and his medicals or Herbert even, who had a great senior bowl. Thank you. So things could get really interesting. So I'm not going to totally rule it out, to be honest. But it's unlikely. Joey LaFora asks, if the Giants can't resign Leonard Williams, could he be part of a trade for Darius Slay? Both teams have needs at the opposing position and might be willing to work out a contract along with the trade. Both get to fill a need ahead of free agency.
1: Well, first thing I want to say, Nick, is shame on you as as an Italian for mispronouncing Joey's last name. I think it's LaFaro. You know, as a fellow Italian, I really should feel a little bit disgraced by yourself.
2: You know what? You know what? Suicide has always been an option.
1: So, To answer Joey's question, this would be really interesting. He poses a really interesting scenario. Say the Giants trade Williams to the Lions for Slay in kind of a deal where... You know, one team doesn't want to resign Slay, but they're okay resigning. This would, would have had to happen. The Lions would not want to resign Slay to a big deal, but they'd be okay resigning Williams. The Giants don't want to resign Williams to a big deal, but they'd be okay resigning Slay. Um, and all in all, if a move did happen, the Giants would probably have to get compensation, plus the fact that they've already given up their third round pick for Williams. Last year. So to me, it seems like the Giants would have to go up a whole lot here. And I highly doubt Detroit will be motivated with Damian Harrison under contract and Trey Flowers under contract and several big name defensive linemen they recently invested. I think they drafted Ashawn Robinson highly recently. Um, and I believe they have a couple other guys on that, on that defensive line that are paid. Um, so it just doesn't seem like a need for them. So I don't see it happening, but it's an interesting idea. It's definitely creative.
2: Yeah, Joey, I sincerely apologize for butchering your. Last name, I, I do. But, yeah, that is an interesting idea. And uh, as Dan already said, see if that actually materializes. Client9, though, he asks, Dan and at Nick Filato, thank you for the at, are any of the offensive line prospects in the draft comparable to an impact guy like Simmons on the defensive side of the ball? Assuming he is still there at four. Seems like a defensive prospects drop off fairly quickly while there is plenty of help at the offensive line in this year's draft.
1: I wouldn't say there's plenty of help on the offensive line, uh, specifically on the offensive tackle position, where the Giants really need the help, and at offensive center where they also need the help. But I would say there's a much better chance of getting somebody like uh, somebody comparable to, to to an Andrew Thomas or you know um, Jedrick Willis or Jericho. Sorry, at, in at thirty six overall maybe, you know, the kid out of uh, Houston Jones or someone like that than there is to get a player like Simmons. I don't really think there's anyone like Simmons in this class, really, or at least nowhere near his level. So from that standpoint, I would say no, or uh, I'm sorry, seem is, sorry, are any of the O-line prospects comparable to an impact guy? From that standpoint, I would say no, but your question really is, really, how high is the ceiling for these O-line guys? And that's something I'm not ready to to really answer yet. Uh, I don't know if you're different, Nick, but I still have a long way to go on breaking down all four of those big name uh, offensive tackle prospects.
2: Yeah, I can tell you. I mean, I've watched a couple games. Guys like Wills seems just like there's not a lot wrong with him. He's very technically sound. He has a lot of pop in his hands, and he's a very, very good mover. His feet are incredibly quick, and they mirror very, very well in pass sets. He's a solid run blocker, good run blocker, I would actually say. That's a step above solid on my little grading scale. So I I look at someone like Wills. I look at someone like Wirfs, who's incredibly good in space. space. Again, another really big guy who can move well. Makai Becton's another player like that. I've watched only a few games on all of these players, but those are all really, really good offensive tackles. I actually look at this tackle class, and I think it's really deep. Now, I haven't gotten into guys like Lucas Nyang yet or Prince Wanoga yet, the kid from Auburn, or even Josh Jones outside of what I saw from the senior bowl. I haven't gotten through their college tape yet, but I hear really good things about them too. So it seems like there are starting level tackles to like the sixth, seventh offensive tackle that is on the board from just what I'm hearing. But those top guys, Becton, Wirfs, and Wills, I've all liked their tape. Thomas, I got to watch a little bit more of as of right now. So there are definitely impact guys, but Simmons is just a different animal. I don't like comparing the defense to the offense because Simmons can play slot corner. He can play safety. He can blitz off the edge. He can play linebacker. He can fill gaps. He can do so many different, things that it's kind of hard to compare him to those tackles but if the Giants land someone like Beckton or someone like Wirfs or someone like Wills I'm not going to be upset whatsoever because I feel like they would have found their starting either right tackle or left tackle for the next 10 years because those guys are incredibly talented coming out of this draft
1: yeah I don't think I'm willing to go there yet with those guys being surefire uh 10-year starters in the NFL that's just me generally just looking at kind of the bus where you get that position offensive tackle I concern me for sure, but you know, I may be there by the time the draft comes around. Trust me. And I I think worse for sure is going to be a 10 year starter. So I can start by saying that. Um, and I'm sure I'll get there with Wills as well. And potentially Thomas as well. Becton to me is always going to kind of be a little more boomer busty, but you, you know, there's a good chance I get there with at least three, maybe all four of them.
2: I totally see that giants SB 2020 asks, seeing that we desperately need a pass rusher. If Yannick gets tagged, As expected, do the Giants make an aggressive offer for the one, Jadavian Clowney?
1: It's interesting. Uh, I think Clowney definitely played a solid role in, you know, why that Seahawks defense was good at some points of the 2019 season uh, for a large part of it. I mean, he took over. I remember it it was a night game, I believe it was for San Francisco in the regular season, the first one, took that game over a little bit. And he's an awesome player when he's on the field, but. I just wouldn't make an aggressive offer for someone with his injury history. He's still young, but it's just it's very risky to me. Um, personally from that standpoint, I I'm just not there with Clowney. Where are you at there, Nick?
2: I'm right lockstep with you. I didn't know if we were going to disagree on this, but Clowney it, it just does seem like it would carry some risk for me as well, given his injury history. And I'm I don't think he's the player that Giants should bring in that would really wow me as oh geez we found this edge prospect that's going to be totally durable or anything like that. He's he uh, I just have some concerns with him. Yeah, but- Christian moral asks, do you guys expect DeAndre Baker to become a true cornerback one top thirty two outside cornerback in the league?
1: Yeah, I'm staying with my pre draft evaluation here. I'm chalking up the first season to his rookie season. I'm chalking it up to maybe a bad fit in the system. And I'm basing my decision here that he can be a top 32 corner in this outside corner in this league on two years worth of game tape where he dominated the SEC level. Is there a chance he's just a step too slow and he never makes that jump from SEC ball to NFL level? Sure, that's definitely in play. I'm willing to admit that after a rookie season like the one he had. But for me, I'm not there. I'm not anywhere close to being there yet. Um, I got more of a sample size of him dominating. Then more of a sample than than the samples size I have with him struggling, so that's kind of where I'm at now and there,
2: yeah, same here. I think like you have to let it just let him get into this system, see how he transitions into this system It's only gonna be his second year. It's very, very hard cornerbacks transitioning into the nfl anyways and he had to play significant snaps just because the giants did not have the talent at that position this season at least a healthy talent and then janoris jenkins gets shipped out right now he's the cornerback one i feel like he can work his way into top 32 do i expect him to be a top five no not necessarily but i still like deandre baker and i am positive about his future with the giants david solo asks which player has less potential to be a bust isaiah simmons or andrew thomas
1: And that's kind of where it comes back to me uh, for me, David, and for Nick, and for everyone else. To me, that answer, without a doubt, is Isaiah Simmons. To me, Simmons is a lock for this league. I could be wrong. And again, I'm not talking about injuries. If injuries come into play, don't come back to me in five years and say he was a bust. You were completely wrong. If he's injured, injuries that—that's just a random roll of the dice. That's getting you know hit with a two outer on the river of a Texas holding game where you're holding pocket nines and the flops nine seven deuce no suits. Guy has pocket kings. You get it all in for twenty one hundred before the flop, and a king hits over way. That that one might have hit too close to, to home for me. Maybe maybe I got to get over that one. But the point of the matter is here, Isaiah Simmons is a guy who is, as long as he stays healthy, going to be an impact chess piece for your defense. Andrew Thomas, an offensive tackle who was a really good offensive tackle at Georgia, but who wasn't really testing that many true pass sets because of Georgia's heavy play action-based offense and their heavy run offense. Is he a guy who I think has a little bit of bust potential? Sure. Just look at the position. Offensive tackle is a high bust rate at the NFL level. So for me, the less potential to be a bust is Simmons. Nick, where do you stand?
2: A hundred percent. I mean, Andrew Thomas, to me, out of the four tackles that we've been over, Becton, Wirfs, Wills, and Thomas, he has the highest bust potential. And this is a lot because Becton is the size that he is, but Thomas, brute strength that he possesses. But I I just question, I think he has some heavy feet sometimes, and I do question just his overall athletic ability. I know he has the long arms, he has the power, but again, like you said, he was in a system that kind of fit into his strengths, if he goes to a team that doesn't necessarily run a lot of play action or run the ball a lot, maybe a more spread type system where you have to rely on his footwork and space. I don't know if that's going to really assist him. So he definitely has a higher bus potential than someone like Isaiah Simmons, who I have. I feel like he can just go to any defense and just have an automatic role because he can fill so many different roles for defense. So Don asks, what should Giants fans be rooting for in the combine? Of course, Tua and Herbert, but anything beyond that we should root for for our benefit
1: it's tough to say don i think one thing you can root for is for guys that the giant scouts have really spotted on tape as guys who look we see them making big plays big time catches or if they, let's say it's a wide receiver as the example i'm about to use but we don't know if they have the athleticism to translate from the college game to the nfl game but when you see a guy like that, and my example here is Darius Slayton, who blew up last year's combine, 4 9 39-inch vertical, whatever it was, 37-inch vertical, just an explosive athlete at the combine. They saw that on his tape at Auburn. He didn't get many opportunities. The Giants saw him make a lot of big-time catches down the field, adjustments in air, and then also after the catch and beat deep plays over the top. And they got that confirmation when they saw him blow up the combine. So it's really hard to say. It's really just dependent on who the Giants scouts need to see. But as far as what they're rooting for, you kind of nailed the like obvious thing, which is, you know, good. let's hope these quarterbacks look awesome, as awesome as they could possibly look.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just – I fully agree with everything that you said when it comes to Slayton. It's kind of funny that he fell as far as he did. Luckily, Auburn misused him, and the Giants kind of win all the fruit when it comes to that scenario, and thankfully, because I feel like he can actually be a wide receiver one. Manny asks, what free agent do you think we could sign – who would have the most impact for the least amount of money?
1: I think we're going to wait on this one. This will come on our free agent show. It's going to be one of those guys straight signed in the second or third wave like it always did, like it always tends to be. But um, that's where the best value is in NFL free agency. But we're, we're not there yet. We'll, we'll hit that on the free agent show.
2: Yes, we will. And Bosco asks, if the Giants sign Leonard Williams, does that mean they'll let Dalvin Tomlinson walk when the time comes?
1: Interesting. Um, this is a tough one. I think a lot depends on where they see BJ Hill and Dexter Lawrence after this season. Um, but I think if those guys develop as they expect them to, it will potentially mean the end of Dalvin Tomlinson,
2: which is so damn unfortunate because Dalvin Tomlinson really had an excellent season this year. yeah. And I, I don't see why he wouldn't replicate that next season. But again, like you said, the one player whose snaps was scaled back when Leonard Williams came over was B.J. Hill. So if he takes that step forward in Patrick Graham's defense, he's not quite the run defender Dalvin right. Tomlinson is, but he has that lateral mobility. I feel, uh, yeah, that could spell the end to Tomlinson because he might command a lot of money. But, you know, the market might see him as a two-down player which could, you know, drive that price down and allow for the Giants to kind of retain this run stuffer. But somebody who uh, really had an excellent season this year. I would love for the Giants to retain him because I feel like he's just an excellent player overall and a totally different player than Leonard Williams.
1: And you just hope that if they do let him walk, it's not a Lynn Bill joseph situation part two.
2: Oh, jeez. That happens way too often for the Giants, I feel like. But yeah, that was, a, that was abysmal. Jeff Pilgrim asks, Do you think... Dave Gettleman will retain Leonard Williams so that the trade for him doesn't look so bad, even if it's too
1: much money. No, 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 Jeff. I don't think any this decision on Williams will have anything to do with the sunk cost fallacy or anything like that. I um, Think they retain him, and they will. It's because he's a lot better than people give him credit for. Thirty-one pressures. Those aren't. That's not chump change. He was a pretty good pass rusher and a dominant run defender who helped the Giants run defense immediately and pass defense. Uh, He's a player. He's worth it. I'm in on Williams. I don't chase the box score for Williams. I I see it in a different light. Yeah, again,
2: and those 31 pressures were in eight games with just the Giants, too, coming into a new system. So, yeah, I agree 100%, Dan. And we have our final question. So let's preface it with this. ACL tears with an avatar, Peter Griffin, during the scene where he F's up his knee. So we all know that if you're a Family Guy fan.
1: I don't know why. Yes, his Twitter said, name, just ACL tears with literally the avatar of Peter Griffin during that. Ah, ah,
2: I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> so this is uh, who she's asking this question. Shout out to homeboy. Which scenario do you prefer? Sign Conklin and draft Simmons Afo or sign Lupton? or Schobert, and draft offensive tackle one at four?
1: Good question. Um, I'm on Conklin and Simmons. Uh, I love Simmons. I think he's going to be a game-changer. I think he's going to be a better version of Devin Bush um, basically for what he did for the Steelers. Littleton's a great player, but he's really just a great coverage linebacker. He's not great in the run. And Schobert's more of an overall guy, but again, much better coverage guy uh, than, than, than uh, you know an all-around type of guy. And I really think those guys are kind of more pigeonholed into what they can do and they're not really versatile on the defense Simmons is a guy who can play at multiple positions including even the deep half safety role if they need him to so to me that for me it's a no-brainer
2: the yeah, same here easily once I when I read this question of the like Conklin Simmons all day I feel like you that's two definite difference makers on both sides of the football whereas as you said what can Schobert and Littleton do and then the offensive tackle hard to develop those guys especially coming from colleges and their specific schemes so right. Conklin and Simmons all day
1: We actually have one more question, by the way, Nick. It's from Michael Riley. He DM'd it. I don't want to miss him again for this one. We missed him last week. And that question is, um, while Isaiah Isaiah Simmons seems like a tremendous player, is his skill set too similar to Jabril Peppers for the Giants to consider drafting him?
2: Absolutely not, in my opinion. I feel like Jabril Peppers is a very good player, but he's much smaller than Simmons. I feel like he's much better in the box coming downhill where he doesn't have the range and the ability to cover ground like Isaiah Simmons does. I feel like Isaiah Simmons is much more versatile I'm not saying a lot because peppers has a lot of versatility as well, but I don't feel like they're the same player and I don't want to pigeonhole him in that kind of category whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. I think the more of these type of players you can get on the defense, the better. I think both of them could easily be on the field at the same time. You're not losing much in the run game, uh, depending on how you're set up. You know, you gotta, if you, you gotta have a line like the giants are trying to build with Lawrence and Williams and Tomlinson, but, and Hill, but, you know, if you have those guys, and you have a Phil guy like Connolly or Mayo, and especially more like Connolly, in addition to a Simmons and a Peppers on the field, it's just more more the more the better, the more the merrier in today's NFL.
2: Exactly, my friend. All right,
1: guys. On that note, thanks again for tuning in. We do appreciate it. All your support, especially in the offseason. If you do want to help the pod and you want to help grow the show, do us a favor. Make sure you download the podcast. Make sure you Rate us, review us, tell your friends, tell your family, tell any Giants fan you know. Um, We'll be back shortly. There's a lot coming up this offseason. We can't wait to break it all down with you. On that note, have a great rest of your week.